Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to Under the Helmet, looking at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm Chad Parsons. Got Katie Flower here. We're discussing heading into week four, the official show of uthdynasty.com. You like this show, you want to try out the premium shows, become a general manager subscriber. Added some new tools, new shows this year. A couple shows on Mondays, for example. Opportunity hunting, I break down depth depth charts as well as route percentage, um, opportunity for for the wide receiver, tight end position, target shares, air shares, all that stuff um, on those shows looking for value for potentially streamers, overvalued trade targets, all that good stuff. Of course, you have running back roundup and film notes and a host of other content throughout the week to get you ready from what happened and then what is to come for your dynasty teams. So Katie Flower, uh, we are discussing a few things this week in terms of maybe some underachieving, overachieving players. I wanted to talk about the 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 DNA and the mindset of of dynasty GMs because this week, next week, these are critical weeks. Like I started looking at some of the data across like 10, 15 leagues, it's not a huge sample size from last year. And just looking at playoff rates, if you start out, you know, one and one versus 0 and two, 0 and three versus one and two, things like that of what are the critical weeks? And I would say 0 and three is is the time, not as extreme as 0 and four, but you're going to really start assessing where am I and where am I going in this season? So what is your general approach if you're sitting there at 0-3? Hopefully, it's not a lot of listeners. But if you have enough leagues, you're bound to have an 0-3 team. What are, what's some of your mindset going into, I'm going to say aggressively throwing the towel, but just looking at your season differently than three weeks ago? So each team of, of all the teams that I have, I reassess pretty much weekly, but I look at where am I in the points for versus points against. And if my points against is just, I've had three real strong opponents, but my points for is right there with everybody else or close to it. I'm not going to be as concerned as the actual record indicates. We do have one extra longer, uh, one extra game in the regular season because of the lengthened, NFL season. So 0-3 isn't as bad as it used to be a couple years ago. And I'm not throwing in the towel. Uh, you know, I've got some teams that are weak, but I expected them to be. I'm still, that doesn't mean that I, a lot of people, when, when I hear the word throwing in the towel, that means just selling off anything that they can get for anything. Future picks don't necessarily write the ship. And I've seen people sell off young players. I mean, young should be good in Dynasty. Why would you want to do that? Or the other thing that I think about or look at is, um, am I just having hard luck? You know, Mike Evans being out for one game with suspension, potentially killed that week. And then maybe not starting in the very first week, you're not really sure who to start and sit. You start your studs and there were some guys that went off that, 
really haven't since. Um, so it's it's the first three weeks are, I think, among the toughest to navigate. But once you get into a little bit of a flow and you see the tea leaves a little bit more. Um, so I'm not at 0 and 3 willing to throw in the towel on any of my teams, but I have expectations different for those that I would expect to be contenders versus those that they're brand new startups and year one is the least important. So again, if I have been a contender and I happen to be 0-3, it's probably just a, a hard luck. Uh, either I started the wrong person or my my points against is much higher than most everybody else in the league. Yeah, I think those are a lot of good points that throwing A, what you said, throwing in the towel is a very aggressive phrase. And a lot of times people equate that to selling all production and getting picks. Well, I would say there's a lot of different ways to have your mindset, like you said. I mean, a lot of times you draft a team in year one. Eh, let's see how it goes. I might contend. I might win. But I'm not expecting to be in a prime contending window. And then, you know, if that's the case, you know, you you might have drafted with an approach that, hey, I have developing players. You know, like a good chunk of my roster is developing players. But you can trade for. I, I think one underrated aspect is trading for injured players. Like right now, if you make a trade of my existing starting quarterback per se in a super flex format um, or another position for Deshaun Watson, that is in a roundabout way, kicking the can towards next year that you're getting a, a player, you're buying a dynasty profile, but you're also locking in or downgrading to a zero with that roster spot for the next couple of months. And so you can get profiles. And now we haven't had a lot of big name injuries per se, but when those start to occur, when those crop up, then you have a window and a, a, a target list if you do fall out of it at 0 and 4, 1 and 5. Records like that, it's getting late in the game to make a massive comeback outside of, as you said, ancillary reasons to say, you know, I still have potential here and I've just had a really bad string of injuries, lineup decisions, opponents, all that type of stuff. But I would say the graphic, like, I've usually done with orphans, like a I took over the team. Ah, I got three or four players that have some value that I just don't like. You know, I don't like the value uh, versus what their market is, and so I make those trades when I take them over in the off season. And again, you should have much closer to the players that you're you're interested in. And if that doesn't work out, you know, I feel like I'm not gonna say you're in a box, but I'm gonna say you still like the players that you have, even if you're 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 zero and three instead of three and zero, which might have been your expectation. Right. Uh, let's say, let's see. Uh, I jotted down some names here for being in a fantasy funk. It's a really small sample size of three weeks. But uh, I mean, I always shout out, I think this time of year to football guys, uh, friend Adam Harstead, who did a lot of research where you need to wait at least four weeks before the priors and the priors would be, what was their ADP? What was their sentiment? What was their valuation in the off season? Starts to be impacted to a decent string by the current year. So we're three games in. This one week, we'll add and make it four to where you start to throw that into the into the equation here of what are we seeing versus what do we think we would see or what did the market expect? And so we're getting close. And I picked some pretty big heavy hitter names at these positions. So I want to have like a general... If you have other players to throw in, please do. But the three I throw, throw out at quarterback, big names, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. 
None of the three have really performed to the level expected in the offseason. There's some big super flex and premium format ramifications there. What's your assessment on the three underperformers by the box score, by the fantasy stat line so far, and maybe who's the most likely to shake out of that? All right. So I don't trust Russell Wilson's head coach. His name is Josh Hackett. He can't hack it. And I am not going to put my trust that Russell Wilson will get out of the funk anytime soon because they say, let Russ cook. They aren't giving him, I mean, he's got the ingredients, but you're not giving him a stove. Uh, you know, the the coaching is really bringing the whole team down. I expected a lot more from the Denver Broncos. So I don't expect that to change as long as that coach is the coach. Can I just say one thing? Isn't it laughable <laughs> that you you pay what you pay to get Russell Wilson? Yeah. And, and you it, that you must perceive to be an impact quarterback, and yet you bring him in to apparently be a game manager type. Like, couldn't you have paid a fraction of that? And, and you know, just your whole goal is to avoid turnovers. Or you, like, that's the biz, best thing he's done so far. Avoid turnovers. Where they're like, oh, good defense. Just just run the offense. Don't do anything outside the bubble. Like, there's, I'm not going to say plenty. There are quarterbacks you could have gotten for much, much less to do essentially or within the area code of the same job. Yeah. Baffling. Go ahead. Continue. Uh, and, and Aaron Rodgers just doesn't have the weapons and that's not going to change anytime soon. Yes. He's starting to connect with Dobbs and he's a rookie. So that's going to be up and down. I think it's going to be up and down. He he's only had 94 attempts. All these guys have not had a whole ton of attempts, including Tom Brady. But when you look at the weapons that Brady has, you're going to get Mike Evans back uh, they haven't been throwing the ball. They got a new coach, and and but he's at least been part of the program, and he's had a head coaching job before. I just think of the three, Tom Brady would be the most likely to get out of the funk sooner rather than later. I yeah. still don't think he's getting enough attempts to be top three, top five like he was uh, last year, and I don't think it's an age thing. I just think it's the play calling. Well, yeah, and let Brady cook. I mean, look at when he was cooking last year. Look at the weapons he had compared to what's kind of going on now. I mean, they were calling up. They, they, Cole Beasley, I think, got the first key third down catch. He was off the street. Russell Gage was a critical player just yeah. because of the warm body factor last week. I mean, you have to fast forward ahead, and the intent of this offense was we are going to have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Julio Jones and we are going to shred people. That was the plan. And I don't even know how many snaps this year they've had with all three of them on the field. It's probably, what, 12 or less? It was week one before Godwin went out. It might be, yeah, it might be less than that. So I think until you get at least two of those guys back, it's an incomplete grade. And like you said, I don't think there's an age thing or arm erosion or any of this stuff with Brady. I think it it's specifically, look at who he's throwing to. This is like... I mean, is this this is probably worse than the when he first won the Super Bowl with the what was it was it Troy Brown? Was right. He, yeah, I mean Troy Brown even plus that took David, a little bit of time David for Evans, Yeah, uh, Pat uh, Patton uh, as well. I mean, guys that should be wide receiver threes and fours on depth charts, and that's all he has. So sorry, Russell Gates, that's kind of what you are. So yeah, Brady's the one that I would highlight as you know by midseason if he has two of those three guys back. Life is going to be fine. Absolutely fine. Aaron Rodgers, 
if he grows with Dobbs here a little bit, Christian Watts can provide something other than long drops. You know, <laughs> Lazard's finally back for the last game or two, ramping up. Things are looking better. Russell Wilson is the one I can't figure out that, you know, I mean, well, I, I, I go back to trading, for example, Tom Brady has been traded. I saw this week for a second, Khalil Herbert straight up. So he's accessible. And if you're a contender, just know that you're going to crush these trades, what the market is. If he plays beyond this year, he may not, but guys like breeze when they're getting older, Brady now qualifies for sure. It's house money because you're paying a price that is, it's appropriate only if they play the rest of this year only. So anything beyond that is house money and dividends. So you just need to buy at the price of a redraft, and I'm getting this the rest of this year. And then if you get beyond that, it's extra credit. And then you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine in that acquisition. All right, running back position, Katie. The three I wrote down, we can include others, but Leonard Fournette, Ezekiel Elliott, and Rashad Penny. All of them have, when you consider Penny's the unquestioned starter, I think people would have expected more. Ezekiel Elliott, Leonard Fournette definitely had more upside and more potential than what they've shown through three games. Yeah, and I'm going to double down on the Tampa Bay. Uh, Right now, Leonard Fournette has had the most touches. He's had 57 rushing attempts. He's had 12 targets, and that's more. And and Rashad White, it's not even close. So he is, Leonard Fournette is the clear back. But Tampa Bay is not generating the offense or the touchdown opportunities. And if I expect Tom Brady to get off the schneid, I've really got to expect the same of Leonard Fournette. Not to mention that Zeke Elliott has lost his his main quarterback. And I know that Cooper Rush is satisfactory, but that offensive line still sucks. And he still is, you know, fighting. And he's got Tony Pollard there too. And I don't know that it's an even split, but uh, it's pretty, pretty close he and he's not being involved as much in the passing game and then same thing with Rashad Penny his his attempts are low and I don't see Seattle as a potent offense overall so I can't pick them yeah I'll highlight one thing about Rashad Penny I like the player I love that he's healthy it's a little you know it's just disappointing that he's healthy had the job has the job doesn't look like he's losing the job anytime soon and yet it's not a conducive situation to actually produce. That's really disheartening for the 26-year-old, finally healthy Rashad Penny. Um, I will say they are 32nd in goal line carries for running backs, and they're 19th in targets. Geno Smith has been curiously decent, but more in the moving the ball, not necessarily getting down to the goal line, producing a lot of high-quality scoring chances for Rashad Penny. So not that level, but good enough to hang, you know, give a give some targets for uh, the wide receivers, keep them fantasy relevant. Like he's done a good job in those aspects. But Rashad Penny is a guy that I'm interested in profile wise. Of just it's a situation right now where different. It's not, or if it's different for him next year, I'm interested. But this year, it definitely for me, it's Fournette, and it's the whole ecosystem of the of the Buccaneers. Of you know, if they can get through and just be okay through the first four, five, six weeks, get healthier they can start making their stretch run because they're looking at December, January and September. I'm not going to say is unimportant or irrelevant to them, but it's much less important for, for their prism uh, for their team. So Fournette's the one where he's just dominated market share, but they need more targets. I think with better weapons, healthier weapons, they're going to get more goal line opportunities for Fournette 
And the fact that Rashad White has not challenged him at all just points to the upside that he probably has in the future that people are going to start waning on uh, in terms of being accessible in the trade market and and giving up on him to some degree mentally. Uh, yeah. wide, wide receiver, I wrote down a lot of guys. Um, so, I mean, we could just pick, you know, pick one or two that kind of fit or don't fit the criteria on the list here. But there's a lot of wide receiver has a huge variance this year in terms of what we've seen from some strong producers expected or some out of the out of the the thin air. Didn't expect quite this much of ceiling so far through three weeks. But disappointing guys include versus expectations, Debo Samuel, uh, DK Metcalf, Brandon Cooks, DJ Moore, Allen Robinson, or just a few. Yeah, I I really don't like any of these guys uh, to bounce back necessarily. But if I had to pick one, uh, DK Metcalf at least is getting the targets. He's got 25 compared to Tyler Lockett, 26. So that offense is throwing the ball more than San Francisco, although they now have Garoppolo there. The Trey Lance experience is over for this year. Uh, Brandon Cooks. I don't like the Houston offense as a whole. DJ Moore, uh, you know, first Russ can't cook and Baker can't bake. So uh, Allen Robinson is always going to have Cooper Cup as the primary guy getting targets. He's second fiddle. Uh, I don't see that necessarily happening. So I've got to go with DK Metcalf. Okay. Yeah, that's a good call. Um, One thing I'll point out about Devo Samuel, which was interesting, is last week his air yards were like, nothing like it was near the line of scrimmage only and i think you know that's going to be interesting to see is Ayuk actually the wide receiver one and debo samuel now if he's not getting running back centric usage how does that play out you know is he someone that's a little more schemed in the offense for when his touches are coming and not just the regular passing progression flow i'm not predicting it either way i think that's just something interesting to monitor in the coming weeks because He's coming off a, a massive breakout season, but when he got a lot of perfect usage, some big touchdowns, and that may not be the case this year. Allen Robinson, like you said, he's kind of fighting with Tyler Higby for that number two role within the passing game, more so than being the one B to uh, Cooper, uh, Cooper Cup or anything like that. DJ Moore, Baker Mayfield bothers me to no end. I like DJ Moore, the player. I like the profile, but this season, it might just stink in Carolina. It just might. I mean, they can't even feed Christian McCaffrey, for goodness sake, in the passing game. I will say from a market share perspective, I found it interesting that Brandon Cooks has not produced more. It's only three games, but that Nico Collins hasn't worked out a lot. I mean, they got like Chris Moore working in as the wide receiver, two, three, and, and tight end has been not a highly productive position. And yet you still say Brandon Cooks hasn't been, you know, a top 24 guy. So I'm holding out hopes for Brandon Cooks just because we've seen it so many times that he's going to come around uh, because he has every single year with a variety of quarterbacks and teams. And no one's really pushing him, not not like Nico Collins is breaking out or anything like that to give us a real good reason. So I hold out some some secondary hope. I I do think DK Metcalf um, is probably the answer here. But but Cooks, I will give a shout out as probably the most uh, conducive formula of this list. All right, uh, tight ends here. Um, Kyle Pitts got everybody off the ledge a little bit in week three after, I mean, he might have been the biggest disappointment through two weeks for the expectations people had for him to just get into the Hall of Fame, you know, in year two um, as a player. But Kyle Pitts is still relatively low compared to expectations through three weeks. TJ Hawkinson, Dawson Knox, and or others. 
Yeah. So again, my logic, I look at, you know, Dawson Knox has a great quarterback, but he also has Stephon Diggs, who is wide receiver one right now. He owns that. Uh, Kyle Pitts has 18 targets, which for a tight end, that's not horrible, but that that should pick up a little bit. But TJ Hawkinson has the same amount of targets. And now with DeAndre Swift banged up, I just think that he will be the one that rises up. Yeah, it's a good call. And Jared Goff has been, I don't even say sneaky. He's just been good. He's been a good and functional and provider of fantasy points to his weapons. Um, and I think the weapons are good. So that's the one thing is losing Swift. I think Josh Reynolds is pretty good. I think DJ Chark, we finally saw him produce in week three, but he was one that I thought would produce earlier in the season and, and more frequently, to be honest. So I think Dawson Knox has the tougher equation. I think he got by on touchdowns last year, didn't get the targets. And whether it's Gabe Davis or Jamison Crowder or others, I mean, I just, and now they're throwing the ball more to running backs than previously. Knox is going to have a tough time unless he really ratchets up to 20% touchdown rate or something like that. I think it's going to be tough for him to truly get back to top six, top eight, top 10, like he was a year ago. I think in terms of expectations, it's pretty easy at tight end. I mean, you said he, he was, had, uh, what was it, six targets a game, something like that for Kyle Pitts. And I mean, if he just gets a, a little bit more, he's already going to be a top, like rest of season, top eight guy, like without breaking a sweat. So I, I think he probably is he's, not that high. Yeah. 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 So, so I think, I think him getting back in, I, I think he won one decent game and he moved to like tight end 19 or 18 or something after last week. So he has a pretty easy path. Now the expectation again was for him to challenge for tight end one overall. So I think that's going to be tough to get to because Mark Andrews is like, you know, young pup, you got a long way to go because he, he, he is providing such a tactical advantage at the position. So I think Pitts has to get into the top three or four to even have this as a conversation. I do think Hawkinson has probably an easier path to get closer. And if he gets two or three games now without Swift, that should help. But I also think Hawkinson has just been, if there's any injury at the tight end position, Swift helps, but, but any of those three top wide receivers, he's going to see an uptick. And I just think he's been misused, miscast, whatever. He has a lot more upside in him than he's been utilized through three games as well. Yeah, right now we've got Tyler Conklin as the tight end three. Yeah. Who would have expected that? You got Mark <laughs> Andrews, Travis Kelsey, and then Tyler Conklin. Uh, we did say we like Zach Ertz. He's there at number four. Tyler Higby is next, but uh, you know, you got to look a long ways down that list to find Hawk and yeah. Even even Kittle, of course, he's been injured, but uh, Knox and Pitts, they're they're both down there, and we need them to rise. What would be your what would be your one plan if someone comes to you and says, Katie, I am I'm doing the streaming thing at tight end. You know, what would be your your plan of action for addressing or fixing the position? Uh it depends on the the type of league, and if you are in a two tight end league, good luck. I don't think you're going to find too many people that are going to trade to you. If it's stock, though, I mean, would you rather give like a third for Tyler Conklin? Would you aim higher for another trade target? Would you try to hey trade one of your big you know running backs for Mark Andrews? Like, how aggressive would you be on the scale? 
I think that right now it's early enough in the season where trying to get a Tyler Conklin or a Zach Ertz for a third or something in that range, or even a Tyler Higby, you might have to right. pay a little bit more for him. But um, I'd rather band-aid it to start and rather than get aggressive and just see how it goes. As If I can pull out a win here and there and then uh, see if, more teams are starting to drop out of it. Then they may loosen up the the purse strings on a on a tight end that that like a Travis Kelsey or you know. Then you may decide that you need a Mark Andrews, but chances are the Mark Andrews owner is one of the top guys, yeah. and they're not going to want to trade him anyway. Yeah, they're not out of the race. So exactly. So you know you've got to temper your expectations. I mean, even David Joku and Dallas Goddard are doing pretty well uh, considering. And Jordan Aikens from Houston for crying yeah. out loud, although that, he's only done it one game. But how about you pick and, that guy up and for a few waiver dollars and see how it goes? Right, exactly. Just do the minimal that it'll take to get something. The, the position fluctuates so much that right. even buying a big guy doesn't necessarily guarantee anything. I, I, absolutely. All right, uh, time for the UTH Best Ball Contest update after week three. Thanks to My Fantasy League for hosting it. As always, we got a bunch of UTH subscribers and super fans in there. Super fun contest in terms of building our auction-centric lineup and then set it and forget it, best ball for the rest of the year, pitting against each other. And Mike E, I think it's Mike Ecker, but I, I'm guessing here. But Mike uh, took down the field in week three. Big time performance. He's got Jalen Hurts. He's one of the few in the contrast contest that paid up for Jalen Hurts. It's paying huge dividends. He had Kyler, uh, Clyde Edwards Alaire from the tight end position. Chris Olave, a relatively unique player. Devonta Smith as well at wide receiver. The aforementioned Tyler Conklin. Uh, David Njoku had a big, big game. Uh, Cameron Brait's best game of the season came in week three. He doesn't have an overly deep roster, but he also hit on a Monroe St. Brown. Uh, two big weeks, not so much in week three. Um, and again, perfect week and outcome for Mike taking down the contest. And what that also means is Mike number one overall in the contest uh, after three weeks. So that big, big week spurred him to the top of the standings overall. And a shout out, I believe this has to be the highest that Tim Torch has ever been uh, in overall standings. He's usually been middle of the pack uh, almost every week that I've looked in recent memory. But he's number two overall. He, As you say, Katie, if you finish strong enough. Like I think Tim was third for the week. Uh, but if you just finish well, you know, you don't have those bomb weeks where you're near the bottom of the standings, you can finish pretty highly, even if you never win a week. And so Tim is number two, you are firmly in the top 10. Um, I think I had, uh, Jordan is next up in the top, uh, is that 20 or so? And I am just beyond that. So we're, this might be the highest overall. The four of us have been uh, as uh, as experts, if you will, as dignitaries in the contest. But uh, shout out to Mike taking it down in week three. Uh, what do you think about final thoughts, Katie, for the week heading into week four? I've just been so crazy busy with travel for work, Chad. Uh, <laughs> I haven't really even been able to watch as many games as I normally do and want to. So I'm just looking forward. I finally have a four-day weekend. I'm looking forward to yeah. watching college football as well <laughs> as NFL football and uh, not being as distracted. Uh, I'll tell you, Katie, uh, later this week, traveling to the greater Houston area, and I'm looking forward to trying to catch, uh, being there for a few weeks, trying to catch some classic Texas high school football. 
You know, I'm I, I usually the areas I go to, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing who the good programs are. Uh, I lived for a span of time near the IMG Academy there in Florida. Was not able to catch a game, but you know they're one of the loaded teams. There's some some in California, some in Florida that are just like all star groups. That's uh, when so, you first saw Rocket Sanders. Yeah, Rocket Sanders, exactly. One of the top teams in Florida. So uh, for their for their uh, uh, their class. So I'm, I'm looking forward to some good old fashioned. I think last time I visited the the greater outskirts of the Dallas Fort Worth area was able to catch uh, a, a low level high school game uh, a few years ago, but looking forward to maybe catching one or two in the greater Houston area and uh, getting up to speed on some of their prospects, some of their recruits uh, coming up, maybe the next rocket Sanders, but, uh, but yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, if there's a listener or subscriber in that uh, greater area, I'll be there for a, a chunk of October. So let me know, maybe we can have a, a little UTH meetup. And uh, looking forward to it, like Katie said, you know, just uh, soaking in some of the football for week four. And I, I think what you said early in the show, the little bit of patience, be analytical with your approach to uh, where you stand as a team. There can be some tough losses, some lucky wins, and we're still in the very small sample sizes. So pre- please use a balanced prism, make a dynasty trade, the whole blow up your team. It sounds good on construct, but many times you are extending your window to where not even in 2023, are you set up to possibly contend, which can be a, a pretty big pill to swallow if it's not just kind of a fun dynasty team building experiment that you want to try. So between episodes, if you want to contact Katie at FF underscore Skylar 399, I am at Chad Parsons NFL. Again, UTHDynasty.com. You want to hear more of UTH content, premium shows, trade calculator, articles, waiver wire coverage, trading, everything to get you covered. That is the avenue to do it at uthdynasty.com. For Katie, myself, Chad, until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties. Get a kid, wait till they're five, there's your assistant, right? Oh I mean, my God, do you, do you trust a five-year-old? I don't trust myself sometimes, Chad. <laughs>